You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. You can be seated. Amen, amen, amen. How many feel God's presence here? How many just can sense your life is just being changed just by beating God's presence? Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, today is the first Sunday of 2016. Are you excited about the new year? <clears throat> I know some of you are looking at the balloons like it's prom. It's not prom. It's our soul campaign. Praise God. How many of you never had a prom? How many of you never went to prom? Raise your hand. Well, then afterwards, you can take a picture under here and we'll just make it your prom picture. <laughs> I was telling someone about, we were putting these decorations up yesterday. And I was telling somebody about my senior prom. I didn't go to my junior prom. <clears throat> I went fishing instead. My mom said, why don't you go to your junior prom? I said, because there's no girls I want to ask to it. I'd just rather go fishing. Amen. Actually, with one of our members back here, Sean, me and him went fishing. Got his Buick stuck in the mud. But then, you know, I went to senior prom with a date I didn't like, and I had a bad haircut. So I try to not look at those pictures. <laughs> I don't know what was worse, the date or the haircut. She might have said the same thing, though, so I guess we're even. But we're starting off the new year on the right foot. If you have your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to start off the new year on the right foot. You know, we know this light of today, church, somebody say spiritual. When the Spirit of God put in my heart to start the church is to make a spiritual church. And a spiritual church is comprised of spiritual people. And so we have to maintain being spiritual. And you know many people go into the new year. And I don't want to criticize what they do and what they say. But you often hear a lot of words about me and being carnal and what God's going to do for me. And what's God going to do for my year. And I don't want to jump off that foot. I want to jump off on what the Holy Spirit has to say. And I know that the Spirit of God is not confined to calendar years. But human beings are confined to calendar years. And God pays attention to what human beings are doing in that time. And so when I went before the Lord, I said, God, what do you have for us in 2016? What's the vision you want me to release upon the church? What is it that you want the people to be a part of? Because I can tell you this. Even if the word is not specifically for you, once you connect to the word that God has, God starts to release something in your life that you could not get unless you hooked up to what God is saying. Can someone say amen? A lot of the blessing that you receive in your life is when you hook up to what God says for you to do. I remember this one young girl, I've told this story here before. She went and found out she had a brain tumor in her brain, just only 20 some years of age brain tumor right before she was about to get married but something inside of her she said the Lord told her go to the Pentecostal church and get baptized and she went to the Pentecostal church she gave her life back to Jesus and she got water baptized and a few days later she went back to the doctor and the doctor says I don't know how to explain this but your brain tumor is gone and anything you do that God tells you to do, you can promise you and bet your last bottom dollar that God's going to release something in your life when you do what Jesus tells you to do. 
So I know that the vision and what God has for just not my life, but the church is very important and contingent upon what God says to do. Hello, somebody. So the Spirit of God put in my heart, he said, 500 souls. 500 souls for Jesus. You know, we live in a day and age where people don't cry out for souls no more. They're asking God, do this for me, do that. But they're not saying, God, give to me souls. Give to me people for the kingdom of God. How many people you pass every day. They work the food places you're at. They're at the, the restaurants that you're at. They're at the, the, the job that you're at. They're having suicidal thoughts. They're contemplating suicide. They're atheists. They don't believe in God anymore. They don't believe in what their parents taught them. They're depressed on the inside. The fruit of their life and their thoughts is, is depressed. Depression and anxiety and fear. They go into prescription medications. They hate their families. And you are the light. And Jesus is concerned about those people. And he is sending light of the, to the church to reach those people. Amen, somebody? And we're an army that's growing. That's what I like to say. But you do not need a lot of people to do big things for God. As a matter of fact, you'll find, you'll find that most of the people that sit in pews don't do the work anyway at the big churches. It's the people that are committed to something. The people in this church that come and say, I'm going to be part of Light of Today. You know what I, when you put up balloons, I'm going to be putting up balloons. You know why we put up balloons? Someone said to me, you're going to put up balloons for an hour and a half service. I said, you better believe we'll put it. I put it up for a half hour service. Why? Because we do things with excellence at this church. Amen, somebody. You do these balloons coming down right after the service. Every one of them being popped. But that's okay. I take eight hours of my day and put up balloons. Do you know why? Because this church is setting an example. We do things with excellence. We do things because we do them for Jesus. Amen, somebody. And you say, I want to be part of what God's doing. You come to the church. You be here on Thursdays. You come to the church. You hear the, be part of the Bible study. Come pray at 8.15 in the morning. Come connect. Because when you start connecting, God starts releasing his power. You start connecting to the church. You start seeing 500 souls come to Jesus. I'm going to be there to put up balloons, Pastor. I'm going to be there at the Blessing Mobile. I'm going to be there at the nursing home. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. You call the church to go on a fast? I'm going to give my best to the fast because this is 2016. I'm going to give my best to what God told me to do in 2016. You know, some people come to me later and say, let me just, I'm going to get to our scripture. Let me just go off quickly. Amen. To say, Pastor, you know, my life is just miserable. I'm having problems. How can I fix those problems? I said, did you fast on the fast? No. Do you come serve? No. Do you come for prayer? No. Do you come to church? No, we come once every, you know. Come, be a part. I can tell you the leadership of this church is a leadership because they're committed. They're so blessed. Caleb now is entering into miracles. Caleb, I'm going to use this to put him on blast this morning. Amen. He starts serving the church. He's been so faithful. He comes, respectful, shows up to every service, comes and, you know, he didn't even have, you know, he comes to me and says, I want to lead worship. He didn't know we didn't have a worship band. He wasn't even a leader in the worship band. He was a backup guitarist. Great guitarist. He had to sing. He comes and endures the singing every Sunday when we first getting started. And you know what God does for him? Gives him a promotion at work. Now he has him and his wife and is having first baby. Amen. Now he's entering into miracles. Where did this come from? 
Because he sent money to a preacher? No. It's good to do that. But that's not the only thing you do. You know why it comes? Because he's faithful. He's committed. He does what God tells him to do. And you know what God says? I can't help but bless him. I try to tell people the one way you're going to be blessed is commitment. Don't give me excuse. Be there. I know in my life when God blessed me, when I said, no more excuses. I don't care if I have to take a spaceship to get to church. I don't care. I used to get off work at 4 o'clock, go to church, and clean the chairs at the church. This wasn't even a ministry the church had until 8 p.m. by myself in the sanctuary. Nobody saw me doing it. And you know what God did? Bless me. That's how you travel these places. God just opens doors when you're faithful to what he tells you to do. Commitment, commit, commit. 500 souls, not going to happen just because you ask God for them. You also got to pray. And beyond prayer, commit that when the Spirit of God says, talk to the man at Subway, you open up your mouth and say, can I tell you about Jesus? And then you show up at the church. I give the church the best. I give the pastor the best. I'm going to give the vision the best. You know what God does? I'll bless you for it. I'll bless the ministry for it. Amen. And one of the things that God has given instruction for our church to do is to start 2016 with a fast. Somebody say fast. Now before we get started, let's read some scripture. Luke chapter 5, verse number 33. This is what it says here. Luke 5, verse number 33. Hallelujah to Jesus. We're going into 2016 with some power. It says, one day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating? And why are they always drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? No. Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them. And then will they fast? The question is, some people say, well, fasting is not a New Testament concept. Is Jesus here or not? Is he in heaven or is he with us? He's in heaven. The bridegroom is in heaven. And while the bridegroom is in heaven, Jesus says, as long as the bride is away from the bridegroom, those that are awaiting the bride, they must fast. So we're living in a time where fasting is very relevant to what Jesus wants to do. And you don't hear much on fasting. is because people don't like to fast. Nobody likes to go without eating food. And I'm going to say fasting, but I also know there's certain conditions that people have that prohibit them to fast. So I'm going to also use the word consecrate. Turn to your neighbor and say consecrate. I know some people are having children, some people are pregnant, some people have certain conditions. So if you cannot fast, then you consecrate. Amen. It means giving up something to go further into God. It's not just because we're begging God's favor. That's not why we do it. We do it as a response of faith. We do it as a response of thanksgiving. We do it because there is something in our flesh that must respond to what God is doing. Amen. It's drawing ourselves close to the Lord. There's always excess in our lives that we can cut out. Hello, somebody. And I'll say this. Is this quickly. Fasting will keep you from being normal and average. The average, there's so many average churches, so many average Christians, and so many average people. 
And a believer that consecrates is a believer that keeps from being average. You want to have an average 2016 or do you want to have a 2016 full of power, full of seeing people turn to Jesus, full of seeing your family come to Christ, full of seeing God's presence fill your bedroom, fill your car, fill the church. Every time you go to pray, God meets you in that place of prayer. Every time you lift your hands, God's power falls upon you. Every time you start asking God for something, there is a connection that you make with heaven. Hallelujah. See, I like the way you guys are sounding. You're starting to get it after all these months. You're, amen to me. Amen. amen. There's a connection that you make with heaven. How many can say, Pastor, there are times when I pray and it just feels like it's me praying. Nobody there. Nobody with me praying. No supernatural help. It's just me and the walls and the clock going tick-tock. Amen. But then there are times when you go into that place of prayer and you're anticipating something. You go walk in, and you know he's there waiting for you. And the moment you open up your lips and say, I worship you, God, it's like something sweet as sugar begins to fill your mouth. It's as though your prayers begin to ascend like incense that's sweet-smelling into the nostrils of the Lord. And your ability to articulate Jesus to people after those times of prayer becomes powerful do you know the difference that's the difference between an average christian and a normal christian and a christian that has been filled with god's power so you cannot get 500 souls from a growing church when the people in the church are average to get 500 souls you have to say god we're going to turn it up a level amen and so number two is fasting keeps your faith from just being a part of your life and makes your faith your whole life. I'll say it one more time. When you consecrate to the Lord, what you're saying to God is that my faith is not just part of my life. You know today, there's so many Christians, their Christianity is a part of their life, just like watching a football game on Saturdays is a part of their life just like going golfing or shopping or sitting at Starbucks every Wednesday with their girlfriends it's just part of something we do and I will say this do you know I wonder sometimes about I'm not judging but I wonder no one in specific no one at this church so you're off the hook I wondered about myself is my faith so radical in Jesus and so supernaturally spirit-breathed that if I were born in another country under Islam or Hinduism, if I would have found Jesus the way I converted or if I would have just been what my parents were. A supernatural conversion is when it doesn't matter what society you are in, who your parents were, or where you were born, you would have found Jesus anyway. Do you know that most people today, the only reason they're Christian is because that's the dominant religion in America. 
is not because they found Jesus supernaturally, because they didn't have a supernatural witness sharing Jesus with them. But when you fast and when you go before the Lord and you say, I'm not going to spend my nights watching TV. I'm not going to watch four episodes of the Cooking Network before I go to bed. I'm going to get into the presence of God and pray and fast and believe and wake up early and pray and fast and believe. God's going to pour his spirit out and make me a supernatural witness for Jesus. Yes, I watched the cooking show for you wondering. I watched five episodes of Chopped on New Year's Eve and fell asleep before the ball dropped. Amen. Someone say fast. Someone say consecrate. Someone say supernatural witness. When you give your life to God, I'm going to give up something. Now watch this. Now this is the thing. Here Jesus' disciples, not fasting. Jesus is walking around doing miracles. The Pharisees come up to Jesus and they say, what's with your disciples? They don't fast. We fast. Here's the thing. The reason the disciples did not fast when Jesus was with them is because they had the bridegroom with them. And that was a sign that as long as the bride is with us, we have a reason to rejoice. There's coming a day where Jesus is going to be here. And the Christians and us as believers, we have a reason to be happy and a reason to party and a reason to say, Jesus has come. The work is ended. But Jesus said, when I am taken away, then you will fast. That's what this means. That when Jesus is not here yet, his kingdom has not been fully consummated. This is not a time to party. There has work to be done. 500 souls. Do you know what can be in that 500 soul? You never know. The 87th soul we bring to Jesus could be the next Billy Graham. The 75th soul that you share somebody at Sunoco. That could be the next CEO who's Christian and puts out an idea that gets Jesus and his gospel to spread across the United States. The 354th person that we bring to Jesus could be someone that was bent out on drugs and had a bad family life and abusing his kids and he finds Jesus and comes home full of the Holy Spirit and his kids see dad who used to come home drunk with alcohol. He doesn't have that drunk look on his face no more. His eyes are not keeled over in some type of drunken stupor, inebriated by alcohol, but now he looks like, like an angel and starts treating his kids right and fathers three or four kids that begin a legacy of faith inside their family and do you know what it takes? It takes supernatural witnesses that are committed to fasting and praying so that their life can be more than just getting material goods and the American blessing. Their life can be fruit for the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Do you want to be part of just God's hand or do you want to see God's face? And when you see God's hand, you get blessing on your life. But when you see God's face, he shares with you his heart and his heart is for people that are lost. Hallelujah, Jesus. You're going to walk out of here today with boldness. You're going to walk someplace when you're in the spirit. See, fasting is a, is a sign. What Jesus was saying, it means that you're yearning for something to become a reality now. You're fasting because you're yearning. You know, Christians today, they don't yearn for the kingdom. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, 
So you're talking that God is a father. That's the most revolutionary thing about the Lord's Prayer of Matthew chapter 6. Our Father, which art in heaven. Did the Pharisees heard this? I'm preaching about the Spirit. If you, um, let me say this. We get to a lot of Scripture, but sometimes I preach about the Holy Ghost. I can't get to the Scripture. So Thursday nights, we have Bible study. And we get to enough Scripture, but Thursday nights, Bible study, we tear it apart. Amen? That's revolution. You can't call God your Father. I just did. And then our Father, which art in heaven, they say, hallowed be thy name. That means you come to God reverently. You don't come to God casually with your hands in your pocket chewing bubblegum. You come to God like you would your dad. And I find that a lot of people approach God the Father the way they had relationships with their own earthly fathers. And if your earthly father never taught you to respect him, he did you wrong. You respect your father. When my father comes in, I respect him. That's how I respect God. Our Father, which art in heaven, reverent be your name. The next thing is, thy kingdom come. After we get past that part, it should be, God, I want your kingdom to come. 2016. I guess I have things I want in my life. But the number one thing I want is to see the kingdom of God upon the earth. You have a pastor? I haven't gotten married yet. Well, you better hurry up because he's coming. Well, I haven't had a baby yet, Pastor. Well, you better hurry up. Well, you know, Pastor, I don't want to get married because I don't want to die a virgin. Well, find somebody you like who thinks that way and go get hitched. Amen. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Like, just how you think before you got married. That's why Bible college students be getting married at 18 years old. Amen. It's not because they want to pay bills. Y'all laugh. It's true. It's true. His kingdom's coming. So when you fast, you're yearning for something. You can write this down. Paul was powerful because he fasted. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 27. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 27. In fastings often. Jesus considered fasting and prayer so valuable. He said that it had to be part of believer's life. To sustain him and his presence while he was gone. Joel said in Joel chapter 2. In Joel, four, excuse me, Joel 1.14 says this. Joel 1.14, in time of crisis. Joel 1.14 says, announce a time of fasting. For a fast to begin... The pastor of the church or the priest of the home. See, the pastor doesn't have to do it. You can do it at your home. Caleb, you go home and you say, you know, sweetheart, things are going to change in this house. The presence of God needs to change. We're hereby declaring a fast in this home. Guys, do that. Your wife will love it. Ain't nothing a woman likes more than seeing the man be the spiritual leader. Women, am I right? They say, oh my God. Girl. He came home and declared a fast. That means you got to go without food. It's okay. He can lose some weight. I love my hubby. Come walking through the door. I'm fasting time. Yeah. Ooh, tell me more, baby. Right? <laughs> Declare a fast. It'll save your marriage. 
Announce a fast. You say we announce. Yes, I'm announcing. I'm declaring it. What are you declaring about the fast? I'm declaring it's a time of consecration. Why? Because we got work to be done. We got 500 souls. That doesn't. That means that you have to be in a position to be spiritual. Because when you go to the gas station or to work and the Holy Spirit says, tell that person X, Y, and Z. Snap in that person's ear. You do not want to have to fight off a lot of flesh to obey. I'll say it again. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, the last thing you want is layers and layers of flesh to contend with. You want to work at putting those things to death. So, when you announce a fast, fasting means a decision for God and a decision against the flesh. I say it one more time. Fasting is a decision against the flesh and a decision for God. Do you know today... You do not see believers in churches making decisions deliberately against the flesh. And when you do not make decisions against the flesh, do you know what will happen? The flesh will control you. Because a Christian's responsibility, the whole message of the gospel is every day you take your flesh. You pick it up. You take it, lay it down on the cross, hammer the nails into that flesh, and carry that cross. Every day, you're crucifying the flesh, telling your flesh no. And when you start to find defeat in your life, when your Christianity becomes casual, it is an indication. I said it's an indication that... You have not made many decisions against your flesh lately. Powerful Christians are Christians that know how to control their flesh. When you see somebody as a Christian, they're doing miracles. You can do miracles and be in sin. Did you know that? You can do miracles and be in sin. People think it takes some strong anointing to do miracles. That's not true. You can come ask me afterwards and I'll tell you example after example. God does miracles through you for the person. Now watch this. I was preaching by the Holy Ghost this morning. God, there's a difference in God honoring the ministry He put in you and God honoring His presence upon you. When there's miracles, it could be that God is honoring the ministry that He put in you without repentance. When the word goes forth in a marvelous and convicting way, it could very well be that God is using the ministry that he placed in you that he promised he would do. And you can do that in your life and live in sin. But what God cannot honor in your life is the presence. A person cannot carry the presence of God and live in flesh. That's why when you see a preacher, don't just look at the miracles. Does he carry God's presence? Don't just look at a believer. Is he talking the talk? Does he carry the presence of God where he goes? You say, how do I know if he carries the presence of God? Because when you get around him, and you hear him, and he speaks, and he talks, and he interacts with you, something in your life cries out for transformation. 
You get around them, something starts stirring you. You leave them, you start thinking about that conversation that you had. It just starts awakening in you Jesus. Hello, somebody. It takes the flesh to be crucified. So listen, a, a Christian that can operate in miracles, they can operate in signs and wonders, and live in flesh, and live in sin, but they cannot carry the presence of God and live in the flesh. So, when you fast, do you know what you're doing? You are preparing yourself to walk in God's presence. You're preparing yourself to go before God and walk in the presence of God. And do you know what wins people to Jesus? The presence of God. Can somebody say amen? Number two, God has called us to do the works of the living Christ in our generation. And the only way that you can do the works of Christ in this generation is in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. The only way we can get the work done, the only way we can build, the only way that we can come week after week with testimony. I liked what one of our deacons, what Brett said. He said, wait, you have balloons? How many balloons? 500 balloons? Does that mean for every person that we bring to Jesus, we pop one of those balloons? <laughs> Someone's come to Jesus, pop. It's been bugging me. Okay. Pop a balloon every time someone comes to the Lord. I said, that would be a good idea, but we can't keep this up there that long. <laughs> Just pop it in your mind. Praise God. Every week a testimony. Every week a testimony. Every week. How you do it? The power of the Spirit. Go with me. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. Luke 4. Someone say the power of the Spirit. Say it louder. The power of the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, you need the power of the Spirit. Look at the neighbor behind you. Say, Neighbor. I like the back of your head. I'm just teasing. You guys have fallen for that like a thousand times. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, Bible trivia question. What did he do in the wilderness? What did he do? That's Bruce. Good job. He got it. He fasted. Jesus didn't go into the wilderness and says, ah, they're gone. All those people, man. Oh, now what's to eat? Let me see. What do we got to eat here? Is that what Jesus did in the wilderness? Jesus went by the Spirit into the wilderness to fast. When the Spirit leads you on a fast, it's important to fast. Why the Holy Spirit? Here's Jesus, Son of God. No sinful nature. That's a good theology question. If he didn't have a sinful nature, could he have sinned? You have to come to Bible study. We'll talk about it. Jesus goes into the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit tells him, you're going to fast. Because Satan is going to tempt you. And he doesn't even have a sinful nature. What makes you think that you could go without fasting? If Jesus had no sinful nature, and he fasted, and you have a sinful nature that you had to die to every day, and you die to the moment you accept Jesus, and you don't have to fast. Well, I, you know, I just don't do any of that stuff, you know, Pastor. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. No. Consecrate. I know it's tough for some people to fast. Consecrate something to God. Say, I'm not going on social media. 
I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not watching TV. I'm not listening to secular songs. I'm just giving it to God. Me and my wife are gonna pray every night before we go to bed, and when we get up in the morning, instead of fighting and biting each other's heads off, right? Consecrate that to God. So when you fast during that time, you ready yourself. Now look what it says in the fourteenth verse. It says here, and Jesus returned. I said, in Jesus returned. Luke one, excuse me, Luke one verse fourteen. It says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Yes. Jesus went full of the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. But after the fast, the Bible said he returned in the power of the Spirit. Is it possible the fullness of the Holy Ghost wasn't enough to sustain the ministry of, the Jesus, of Jesus? He needed the power of the Spirit. You know, there are many believers today, they talk in tongues. They worship in tongues. But they don't have the power of the Spirit demonstrated in their lives. The power means the ability to do the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit is for your life. It's for you to go home. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. I worship you. The presence of God fills your home. How many have that in our lives? Raise your hand. Let's see hands. Raise it. Raise it. Come on, come on, come on. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? But you want to know something. A lot of... That's it. That is not enough to get the work done. If it was, we'd all have testimonies this morning. We'd all have to say, well, this could happen this week, look what happened this week. No, no, no. What is next is the power of the Spirit. That's why the Bible sandwiches these verses between 13 verses about a fast. To let you know that people that need the Holy Ghost have it, must get the power. And I'm going to say something, a fast produces it. When I came off that last fast, I went on a week fast, just personal. I invited you to fast, some did. I come off the fast. You don't feel anything but hungry. You're hungry, you're ornery. You cannot concentrate on a fast. People call you, you're very socially awkward, so you try not to do so much social stuff. Grumpy. Then you eat and you digest. You get through that time period. And somewhere along the line, there's a shift. You throw a prayer. And it's not just by chance no more. It's power. And the frustration starts coming. When you have accelerated to a level of spirituality and intensity in God. And the people around you are not with you. So you start preaching and going forward. I want to do the work. I want to talk to people. And you know what starts happening? The people around you are still carnal and stuck in flesh. That's why church has to do it together. Because you know what will happen? I will start angering you as pastor if I'm fasting and you're not. Because I'll start preaching things that are powerful. And you will not be ready for them. I'll start pushing you. And you're not ready to be pushed. My job is not to make you happy with the things I say. My job is to push you. 
Go out there and win souls. Go out there and get people to Jesus. Go out there and be bold. Go out there. Pray. Pray in the spirit. Wake up in the morning and be, and be prayerful. Go to bed and be prayerful. Keep a journal by your bed. Do these things. Be prayerful. Be prayerful. And if you're not running with me and you're not consecrating with me, this is not going to get done. We'll be at 50 souls. It'll all be for me. But when people start coming back, they say, Pastor, you know, I, I consecrated something to God, and God used me. Then the church starts catching on fire. You got me? Are you got me? Are you with me? So, we need to do things by the power of the Spirit. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, For this reason was the Son of God manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. A church that fasts and a church that prays is a church that is destroying the works of the devil. When people come in here, you have so much Spirit of God on your life that they walk through the door and you say, Can I pray for you about something? Let me lay my hands on you. Let me prophesy into your life because you're always full of a word. You're always ready to pray. You're always ready to fire. But what about my life? When you're on this fast, God will start talking to you personally. You'll know about your life. Pastor won't have to tell you. You just know. Hello, somebody. Are you ready to fast? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready to go get it done? Caleb, can I have you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, many of the things that you're desiring for your life, many of the things that you desire, you're not going to be able to get until you become serious about intensifying your aim to get it. You know the story. Jesus is with Peter, James, and John on a mountain. He comes down. There's a young man full of Satan. Can't cast the devil out. And the disciples say, Jesus, why can't we cast this guy out? We prayed for him. We used your name over him. We did everything that we know to do. I'll say this. You know one of the most embarrassing things in ministry is? Is when you're trying to cast out a devil and you can't do it. I have seen that happen. I have been in places where I could not cast the devil out. It just doesn't want to come out. And you either have to spend all day with it or you just give up. It's a real thing. It happens. Some devils, they come out easy. Some devils, they don't come out. You don't have enough power to do it. And Jesus says, this one does not come out except for prayer and fasting. Fasting helps your unbelief without getting into a study of it because devils come out and respond to your faith. It takes a working of miracles and the gift of faith to cast a devil out of somebody's life. You say, what do you mean? We could talk about spiritual gifts at Bible study, but the gift of faith, the gift of faith is more than just Bible faith. The gift of faith, hashomatika, hatosita moto, it's how the Apostle Paul accomplished so much in so little time. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost. Here he is, one man, taking the gospel to Europe. Beat, stoned, shipwrecked, whipped, mocked, ridiculed. But he's got the 
gift of faith. Do you know what the gift of faith does? It knows how to endure something. You're in a hardship that is so strong. All the odds are against you. The doctor said, not going to happen. The statistics say, impossible. You have been through so much suffering. So much of the same. So much of the mundane. Life doesn't look like it's changing. But yet, you can bear up under it and keep on marching forward. Because of the gift of faith. How many know what I'm talking about? And then, when it comes time for you to respond to God, you respond with power. How are you doing it? Faith. So fasting intensifies your faith. But let me give you a quick instruction. When you fast, make sure you attach prayer with it. I like this saying, fasting without praying is starving. You have to pray. I've seen people try to fast. They just don't eat. You're just starving yourself. You're going to come in here looking really malnourished, but nothing better for it because you do not attach prayer to it. When you fast, it causes you, and you consecrate, it causes you to focus on God. Now watch. You say, Pastor, you know, well, I never want us to be at a place as Christians where we desire to be entertained. When you fast, when you consecrate to God, you are fighting the, the carnal desire and the carnal need to be entertained. Look at America. Let's take America today. What do you have on television? Every other month there's a new television show. Right? Some kind of crazy, outrageous reality TV show. You wonder where they think this stuff up. Every single year, theme parks, new roller coasters. New this, new that. You know what that means? America desires entertainment. And that is how Rome fell. And I'll tell you, it's not just how Rome fell. It's how the church of Jesus Christ will fall. When people in the pews entertain us. Entertain us. Just sing and dance and sing a good song and play my favorite guitar. Let's go to concerts and let's go do this and let's go. Yeah, what do you want? Entertain me. It's amazing how many people will show up to a concert and how many people will not show up to a prayer meeting. Because the flesh likes that stuff. Do you have something wrong with concerts? Nope, I don't have anything wrong with concerts, but I have something wrong with skipping prayer services. And then you know what? You get a whole generation. The millennials, my generation. Let me speak on my generation. We are the most untaught, unspiritual generation. Because we want entertainment. You know... I see so many young people making fun of the things of the Spirit. Because they grew up in it, they saw it, and now they mimic it. And they think because they can mimic it, they understand it. No, if you understood it, you wouldn't mimic it. That means if you mimic it, you've never truly experienced it. Because if you did, you couldn't mock it. Hello, somebody. When you keep yourself in a position of fasting, when you keep yourself hungry before God, you don't turn the things of the Spirit into entertainment. You become hungry for the things of the Spirit. You become desirous for the things of the Spirit. 
You come to church, you've been fasting, you've been consecrating, you know what will start to happen to you? The Bible says in Acts chapter 13, when they were making a decision about the direction in which the church should go, the word of God says that Simon and all the other apostles were together with Peter, excuse me, Paul and Barnabas. And the Bible says that as they fasted and as they prayed, the Holy Spirit said, send Paul and Barnabas unto the work wherewith I have appointed them. Acts 13, 1, 2, and 3. Because when you get into the presence of God, after you've been fasting, the presence of God becomes so real that the Holy Ghost shows up. You'll come in from a fast, consecrating in the next two weeks, giving yourselves before God, and you won't be able to wait to come to church. You'll walk in and say, when's the worship going to start? When's things going to start? You'll lift your hands. doesn't have to be the most perfect worship. doesn't have to be, it has to be on key. doesn't have to be everything. But you'll lift your hands to God, and your heart will start responding. I can tell when I look at the faces of the people, not just this church, all the places I've been, Everywhere around different places, how many people have been in God's presence? Because when you come up and you start worship, do the people start responding? Do they crying out to God? Lord God, touch me. Are their hearts rejoicing? Are their hearts happy? Or are they just, uh, you know, whatever? I want to get up and see you. Yes, Jesus, touch me. Yes, God, pour out your spirit. God, do something in me. Come with expectation. God, I need to see a move. Lord, and the Bible also says this. Let me make sure to hit this point. Humble yourself under the hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When you fast, you are humbling yourself before God. The prayer is not, Lord, humble me. You don't ask God to humble you because he'll make sure to do it. He'll send persecution your way. He'll do that. He'll keep you from... You want to be humbled, you ask them. That's how it humbly happens. God says, you humble yourself. You take a step and say, I'm humbling myself through fasting. How does fasting humble you? you got no flesh left. You're dependent upon God. You need something in your life. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. Fast, consecrate, and watch God do it. And I'll tell you something. It says in Psalm 2.8, Ask, and I'll give you the sinner for your inheritance. How you get souls? You have to humble yourself and ask. There's no way we can do it. There's no way in our strength we can lead 500 people to Jesus as a growing church. But if we humble ourselves, if we humble ourselves through fasting, we go before God and we say, God, use us. Use us, God. Use us. I'm going to commit. I'm going to be part of it, God. I'm going to hook up to it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to be part of it. You know what God will do? He'll send you in the power of the Spirit. Amen? You can stand to your feet this morning. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.